0: Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson, bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Our scripture today is Matthew 22, verses one to 14. And Jesus answered and spoke to them by parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage feast for his son, and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding." But they all made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized the servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about this, he was furious, and he sent out his armies, destroyed the murderers, and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite them to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Always enjoyed the beauty of a Christian wedding. There is something so wonderful about a godly man and a godly woman whom God has led together in the holy sacrament of marriage. In our gospel lesson in Matthew 22, Jesus tells a parable about people who were invited to a wedding for the king's son and refused to come. They each had their own excuses for why they would not attend. Then Jesus tells about one guest who showed up to the banquet dressed inappropriately. When an ancient king's son or daughter was married, everyone wanted to attend. It was a lavish affair with free food, dancing, and gifts for all. It was a grand community event. It would be unthinkable not to want to attend the wedding. But in this parable, the invited guests refused to come to the wedding of the king's son. In Luke 14, we discover that they all gave various excuses. One said, I bought a piece of land and have to go look at it. Another said, I have five yoke of oxen I need to try out. Please excuse me from the banquet. Still another said, I've married a wife, so I need to be excused. Have you ever made an excuse for why you are not responding to the gospel invitation? These three excuses are commonly given to disregard the invitation of our Lord Jesus. People refuse to surrender to the Lord Jesus because of money and possessions, business, obligations, and relationship distractions. Innumerable excuses are given for not following the Lord, But these are the big three that people use for not bringing their lives into alignment with the invitation and blessing of the king. Now, in our story, those who were invited mistreated the king's messengers and killed them. Who are the king's messengers? They are Abraham, Moses, and all the Old Testament prophets who faithfully delivered the gospel invitation of the Messiah who would come to save his people from their sins. They are the twelve apostles who gave the gospel invitation of the Savior to the nation of Israel. In Acts 2.22, Peter says, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst. Just as you yourselves know, this man you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. And God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death. Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. But the guests seized the king's servants and killed them. So the king was enraged and had the murderers destroyed. Then he sent his servants to invite whomever they could. Go into the streets and highways and byways and invite all you see. So the servants went to the streets and invited everyone they saw, good and bad alike. They filled the banquet hall with guests, which is what the king wanted. But then the king noticed a guest who was not wearing wedding garments. Everyone else was appropriately attired, but not this guest. The king told his servants, bind him hand and foot. Take him away and cast him into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus concluded the parable by saying, For many are called, but few are chosen. Now, if we look closely at this story, we discover that it contains important gospel truths. In this parable, each person represents someone. The King is God. The King's Son is our Lord Jesus Christ. God, in His wisdom, made a marriage between His Son and the Church through the mystery of the Incarnation. We who believe and follow the Lord Jesus are the Bride of Christ. The first guests to be invited to the marriage feast were God's people Israel, but they mistreated and murdered the prophets of the Old Testament, God's messengers. The people invited from the streets are Gentile believers, you and me. This, then, is a parable of how the nation of Israel rejected and killed the prophets, refused their Messiah, Jesus, and lost their place at God's wedding banquet. It's also a parable about how the gospel came to the rest of the world. Verse 2 says that the king prepared a wedding feast. This lavish dinner banquet has two wonderful meanings. The dinner is first the living Word of God, the Feast of the Gospel Banquet. This dinner was prepared over the long years of Old Testament history by the giving of the Law and the Prophets. God superintended world events to make all things ready for the appearing of His Son, the Messiah. The second meaning of the great feast is that it refers to the marriage supper of the Lamb, described in Revelation 197 9 which says, Let us be glad and rejoice, and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. Then he said to me, Write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This story also describes the desires of God's heart. What does God prize above all else? Humility and faithfulness. It is humility which allows us to hear the invitation of the king to take our seat at the gospel banquet table. It is faithfulness that keeps us believing upon God and trusting Him to accomplish the outworking of salvation in our experience. It is pride that gets us caught up in money and possessions, business obligations, and relationship distractions. Humility allows us to think soberly about our lives and respond with gladness to the King's invitation to join him at his wedding feast. In the spiritual life, there is the constant temptation to accept the invitation to follow Jesus, to believe upon him as Savior and enter into the church, and then fail to follow the path of obedience that leads to heaven. Following Christ is difficult. It always has been. Why is it so difficult? Because God is after something that requires remaking our beings from the inside out, and remaking is painful. C.S. Lewis says, the people who keep on asking if they can't lead a decent life without Christ don't know what life is about. If they did, They would know that a decent life is mere machinery compared with the thing we men are really made for. Morality is indispensable, but the divine life, which gives itself to us, intends for us something in which morality will be swallowed up. We are to be re-made. All the rabbit in us is to disappear, the worried, conscientious, ethical rabbit, as well as the cowardly and sensual rabbit. We shall bleed and squeal as the handfuls of fur come out and then surprisingly we shall find underneath it all a thing we have never yet imagined, a real man, a son of God, strong, radiant, wise, beautiful and drenched in joy. This is what God is after. We are to be remade into little Christ's And that remaking process means bleeding and squealing as the handfuls of fur come out. Obedience is costly. Dying to our selfishness and pride is painful, but it is God's design for his children. What does this transforming process of following Christ look like? Being a follower of Christ means sacrificing our lives for him. Romans 12.1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service of worship. These are serious words, friends. As we receive the preaching of the Scriptures, we bow to the authority of God's Word and do what it says. As we receive the Lord's body and blood in Holy Communion, we surrender our lives to God as a reasonable, holy, and living sacrifice. We offer Him every thought and action, the totality of our being. Socrates taught that a life without thinking is not worth living. The Bible teaches that a life without total commitment to God is not worth living. This is why the great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Wherever you are, working in the marketplace, raising children as a mother, taking care of grandchildren, retired, or serving in your local community, it is all for the purpose of influencing others spiritually and advancing the kingdom of God. We are each called to live a life that will draw people to the Lord Jesus, our friends, business associates, neighbors, and family members. God calls us to love others and to witness to them of the beauty, goodness, and truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Once we have our seat at the wedding banquet, we then want others to join us for the great feast that is coming. Now what about the man who came to the wedding in the wrong clothes? He was supposed to wear wedding clothes, a wedding garment, but he came inappropriately dressed. The king had that man cast into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What does this terrible part of the parable mean? The wedding garment is our Lord Jesus Christ and love for him. The man who came to the feast without proper wedding clothes represents someone who says he believes in Jesus Christ and professes to follow him, but is not clothed in the garment of Christ's righteousness. A true follower of Jesus is one who admits his sinfulness, kneels before the cross of Jesus, believes in Christ's atoning death for his sins, and receives the gift of Christ's righteousness. Then that man or woman continues to love and obey Christ for the rest of his life, showing his faith by his good works. Admit, kneel, believe, receive, continue to love and obey. Show your faith by your good works. Salvation is incomplete without these actions. Nothing in my hands I bring, only to thy cross I cling and as I keep clinging to the cross, I work out my salvation by love and good deeds. People who claim to be Christians yet have not received Christ's righteousness and continue to love and obey Him are like those invited to a wedding ceremony but who attend the holy service without the proper wedding attire. They think they can show up in dirty sweaty clothes for a formal wedding. Such behavior is unacceptable. Jesus says in Luke 6.46, And why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I tell you? To accept God's wedding invitation is to be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus and to continue to love and follow the Son of God, to submit to his remaking process of becoming strong, radiant, wise, and beautiful sons and daughters of God. The phrase weeping and gnashing of teeth in verse 13 is a dreadful image referring to hell and eternal punishment. Most people in the 21st century simply don't believe in hell anymore. Much of the fault lies with pastors who refuse to preach the truth about hell. Research indicates that a person attending a service in a Christian church for two months straight would have less than a 10% chance of hearing a sermon that included the words hell or redemption, two doctrines central to historic Christian beliefs. The modern Christian church is anemic and apostate because most pastors don't mention hell anymore. They say they don't believe in hell because it's unfair that God would punish someone for not embracing the truth of Christianity. But the biblical teaching on hell answers both these objections. First, Jesus our Lord plainly taught about hell and called it a place of everlasting punishment. Matthew 25, 46 says, And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Hell is a real place, and it is, sadly, a popular place where the majority of people will go, but it's a place you don't want to be. Holy Scripture assures us that people only get in the afterlife what they have most wanted in this life. People either want to have the true and living God as Savior and Lord, or they want to be their own Savior and Lord. Second, the Bible teaches that hell is a natural consequence of human choice, not God's choice. God desires and intends that no one enter into everlasting separation from Him. But if people choose to ignore God, reject Him, and disobey the Scriptures, then hell is but an eternal continuation of the path freely chosen while they were on the earth. On the other hand, a soul that has decided to center its whole life and existence upon God, loving Him, adoring Him, and seeking His glory, moves towards increasing joy and wholeness that soul can look forward to blessedness. This is the glory of the gospel message. Heaven is but an eternal continuation of the path of righteousness freely chosen in time while on the earth. Remember that this earthly existence is only the vestibule of eternity. It's only the entranceway, the gateway to everlasting life. The decisions we make here do matter for all eternity. The ancient prayer says, Grant we beseech thee, O Lord, that we may reap in a joyful eternity the fruits of what we do in time. How may we respond to this parable in a way which encourages our growth in Christ? First, let's learn to listen to God. Let's listen for Christ's invitation so that we hear him calling us to the wedding banquet. Will you listen to Jesus' words? Come unto me, all you that travail and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son to the end that all that believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Listen to the invitation of Jesus and keep on listening every moment of your life. When you hear his call, answer it. Come to the wedding banquet. It is possible to hear the gospel over and over again and yet never wholeheartedly trust in Jesus. It's possible to faithfully attend church year after year and yet never fall passionately in love with Jesus. Come to him today. Let the love and mercy of Jesus overwhelm you and draw you into his tender arms. Be a joyous participant at God's banquet table. Second, examine your life. Have you given your entire life to Christ, mind, body, soul, and spirit? Are you clothed in his righteousness or are you still trying to please him through your own unaided efforts? Loving Christ is the wedding garment. Do you love him for dying for you? Our divine clothes of righteousness have been woven by the one who spent all he had that through his poverty we might become rich. In gratitude for such a precious gift, is Christ now in charge of your whole being? Do you invest your time spreading his love around the world? Are you letting God reshape you into someone beautiful, someone holy? I think we often underestimate the plans Jesus Christ has for our lives. He has so much in store for us if we only keep our eyes fixed on Him and our hearts rightly directed towards Him. 1 Corinthians 2 9 says, But as it is written, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Third, remember the unspeakably wonderful wedding present Jesus gave you when you first trusted upon him and believed. Sometimes at a wedding banquet, the bride and groom give each other gifts. But there is a great difference between human weddings and our marriage to Christ. We give our groom, Jesus, the gift of our impurity, our unrighteousness, our sinfulness, and our imperfection. We give him our heartaches, our problems, our sins, and our misery. And in exchange, he gives us his purity, his righteousness, and holiness. He gives us forgiveness, consolation, comfort, and unending joy. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unfathomable His mercy and love! Jesus, our Bridegroom, gives us His very own body, even unto death on the cross. He washes us in His own blood. He cleanses away our sins and then in Holy Communion he continues to give us his body and blood, the medicine of immortality, that he may continually reshape and transform us from within. Listening friend, have you responded to the invitation of the king to come to his son's wedding banquet? Do you continue to daily respond, believing Him today, receiving Him and trusting Him this moment as your Lord and Savior? Let us pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you for this wonderful parable of the wedding banquet. Help each one of us to take our place at the gospel feast today and at the marriage supper in heaven. O God, pour your love into our hearts, and cause us to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name, Amen. For of him, and through him, and to him are all things. To him be the glory, both now and forevermore. Amen. listening to the program Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at Ministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org This gospel outreach is entirely listener supported. Please help us proclaim the gospel on the radio to a needy world. You may donate online at our website. Your gift, large or small, is gratefully appreciated. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable.